If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me today is my longtime host, Curtis, and today... We are making our sweet 16 picks in our Glory UGA Greatest Georgia Football Players of the Past 25 Years tournament that we have been running over the last few weeks. We've had a lot of fun doing this tournament and discussing the matchups here on the show and also with you guys on social media. It's been a lot of fun going back and forth with you guys and getting your takes on uh, why you are making certain picks. And, And I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that these sweet 16 matchups are by far the best yet. Like we've had some really good matchups in the first and in the second round as well, but some of these Sweet 16 matchups are on another level. And honestly, some of them were borderline impossible picks to make. Like, kind of felt like I was betraying a family member type of picks when I had to pick against certain guys. So we're going to have a lot of fun breaking down these matchups today. But first... For those of you who are new to the show or may have just missed the first couple episodes of this series, I do recommend you check those out when you get a chance. But it's a pretty simple concept. Curtis and I came up with 64 players over the past 25 years to enter into this tournament. Of course, some guys are kind of on the fringe. You always have that in any tournament. Uh, But there are three votes to determine the winner of each individual matchup. Curtis gets a vote, I get a vote, and you, our awesome listeners, also get a collective vote. That is determined by the Twitter polls that we are running. And to vote in the next round, which will be the Elite Eight, you guys can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. And so uh, whichever player gets at least two out of three votes advances to the next round. Now, of course, greatness, as we talked about in the second round show, it's a very subjective term. So there hasn't exactly been universal agreement on all of these picks. And there certainly will not be universal agreement in these Sweet 16 matchups. All right, Kurt, we've got some big Sweet 16 matchups to talk about, so let's go ahead and get to it. And we're actually going to start with the red region today in our first matchup. Now, this one, um, it was closer than maybe I expected it to be, but it's it was not as close as some of the other Sweet 16 matchups are going to be that we're going to talk about here uh, in the next 30, 45 minutes. So, but first up, we've got Alec Ogletree versus Rodrigo Blankenship. Now, our listeners, uh, they went with Rodrigo with 60.2% of their vote. I figured Rodrigo would be the direction they would head. I just didn't think it would be as close, to be honest. I thought Rodrigo might be a little bit more of a runaway winner, but it was relatively close. Uh, Curtis, 
do you agree with the listeners or did you decide to go with Ogletree? Um, I'd probably go with the listeners and go with uh, Rodrigo in this situation. I think he did more for a longer period of time than um, what we got out of Ogletree. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, this is going to be a clean sweep. I don't want to spend as much time on this one because some of these others that are much closer, like the next one we're going to talk about, which is about as close as you could possibly get, literally. Uh, we'll spend more time on those. So this one, um, it's a clean sweep. Uh, we're all in agreement here. Um, I it, Look, I, I think – Alec Ogletree was a, a very, very good player for us, a borderline elite inside linebacker for us at times. Uh, but Rodrigo is, I would say, probably behind Kevin Butler. I, I think maybe arguably the second best kicker in Georgia history. Is that fair, Kurt? Oh, I think that's 100% fair. Yeah, I and mean, we're talking about only behind a Kasha Paul Hall of Famer and Kevin Butler, who is just a, a stud as a kicker. I mean, we've had some other good kickers. Billy Bennett in the early 2000s, you guys remember him? Uh, really cool, interesting personality there. Uh, Brandon Katu was was a good, solid kicker. Blair Walsh was a really good kicker for us. Um, we've had some good kickers here at Georgia, but I think it's fair to say Rodrigo is probably the second-best place kicker that we've had here outside of Kevin Butler. And, and Ogletree was really, really good, but I don't know if he's the second-best inside linebacker that we've ever had. And I know it's kind of apples to orange. You're talking about inside linebackers, like a guy who plays – down after down versus a kicker who doesn't play is not there for as many plays in a game. But I also think Rodrigo in his favor is more identifiable as a Georgia Bulldog. You can call that recency bias. I guess so. But I think if you go 10 years down the road, I think your average, even not, not even just Georgia fan, but college fan would identify Rodrigo Blankenship with Georgia more than they ever would Alec Ogletree. So to me, I mean, again, that's just one of my personal factors when I'm judging greatness as a Georgia Bulldog. Um, and he also had kind of the cult of personality, you know, the goggles and hot rod and that whole thing. Um, so for me, uh, I would also go at Rodrigo. I think Ogletree was probably more talented, uh, physically gifted, that kind of thing, obviously. I mean, he was a stud. But uh, for all the factors we mentioned there, I think I'm going to go with Rodrigo as well with the clean sweep. And he is moving on into the Elite Eight. You got a kicker in the Elite Eight. And he will be taking on the winner of our next matchup, which was actually the tightest vote of them all among the listeners. We've got quarterback Jake Fromm versus pass rusher Jarvis Jones. Curtis, maybe, I mean, honestly, I was slightly surprised with this. I have to admit. Uh, it went back and forth like, all through the weekend last weekend, but ultimately when it was all said and done, I actually reached, because it was it was a dead heat with like 30 minutes to go. I'm talking about it was 50% to 50% with like 30 minutes to go. Um, in the poll on Twitter. So I retweeted out in the last 30 minutes. And in that short span of time, Jake Fromm got just enough votes in that last 30 minutes to ever so slightly pull ahead of Jarvis Jones in the listener vote. And uh, he ended up with 50.6% of the listener vote went to Jake Fromm. So literally, I mean, as tight of a listener vote as you could possibly have, we had uh, a lot of conversation on, on social media about this matchup, a lot of matchups, but especially this one. So, Kurt, the listeners go with Jake Fromm. I, however, as much as I – and I know this is going to shock some people who like to criticize me for being a Jake Fromm homer, and that's fine. Uh, I am the president of the Jake Fromm fan club, always will be. But uh, I actually, with my personal vote, I'm going with Jarvis Jones. I'm explaining my, my pick here in a couple of minutes. So I'm going to let you cast the tie-breaking vote here, Curtis. we got Jake Fromm from the listeners. I'm going with Jarvis Jones. Who are you taking? Who is going to advance to the Elite Eight? 
Oh, I'm going with Jarvis Jones. I think it's a, a mistake, unfortunately, to pick Jake Fromm. And I think that's because Jarvis did more so on a personal, on an individual basis than what Jake's ever truly accomplished. I mean, that's undeniable, right? Like, you, you can't argue what you just said. Like, that is just facts. That's straight fact. Um, I think the only thing that Jake would have going his favor is that he, I guess, our team won more under Jake. Yeah, Fromm. And, and, and that's all he's got going in his favor. If you look at what pure individual and what Jarvis accomplished it's uh, it's on a different level than the, what Jake ever accomplished at the University of Georgia I mean Jake was a high percentage passer that you know won us some games didn't turn over the ball much uh but when it came down to it Jarvis was a game changer and I think that's why I think uh maybe some more recent bias and stuff went in there for Jake but there's no question that Jarvis is what you think of when you think of like an MVP of stud Bulldogs Dude, you are like hacking into my computer here to steal my notes. I have that exact phrase written down here. I have game changer written down in my notes here on my computer. Um, that's exactly what Jarvis Jones was. And I, I think you mentioned the recency bias as well. Um, that has to factor in here somewhat, right, with this vote. It has to. I mean, it, it has to because I, and I don't know if you ever put them side by side that you could say that Jarvis and Jake are on the same level of what they did individually. Yeah. And I think some people vote with their heart more than their head. And I'm guilty of that sometimes too. Um, and look, if I was voting with my heart, I, I'd probably go with Jake. Cause I just, I think he was an absolute winner. I love, I love everything the guy was about, but I love Jarvis too. I'm not going to lie. Man. I love Jarvis Jones. I loved how he went about his business, kind of a quiet introverted guy led by example, all that kind of, all that kind of thing. Uh, I love Jarvis. Uh, and he was an absolute monster, a game changing defensive player, the likes of which we haven't had too many of those guys in the past 25 years. We've had a couple, and some of those we're going to talk about today, um, later on in the show. That but also got cheated. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he's uh, certainly in this conversation uh, of like most dominant defensive players in the last 25 years uh, for the University of Georgia. I think he's in the top four or five in that conversation. Um, but you, you said it right, Curly. Like, like as, as much as I love Jake Fromm and love what the guy was about, and, and he was such a winner, um, the, that's the only thing that you can say to possibly – set him above Jarvis Jones, that our team won more under Jake Fromm. And, and that is something that you judge quarterbacks by, typically. I don't – I always hate that because I like – like going back with Dan Marino. I mean, everyone thinks Dan Marino is great, right? But he's not really considered among like the Joe Montanas of the world, those kind of guys, the Tom Brady, because he just never won the Super Bowl. And people hold that against him. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like he's not responsible for the other – players around him the guy in terms of what he was asked to do he was as good as there ever was um or, or I mean, pretty much as good as, as, as there ever was at that position you sort of make that argument he was right up there um so I, I i've kind of always shied away from that but it is always part of the conversation people throw that in there when we talk about greatness especially with quarterbacks so i do think jake has that but you're exactly right to me it just simply comes down to individual accomplishments and if it was close between the two, I might go with Jake because we did win more. We did actually win an SEC title with Jake Fromm. We got close with Jarvis. Oh, God, so bitterly close. Um, but it never quite happened. We didn't play the national title game. Got bitterly close there, too. That never happened. Um, but the individual – I mean, we've talked about Jarvis' uh, accomplishments before. Let's talk about it again real quick. He holds the single-season sack record, 14 and a half sacks. Broke David Pollock's record in 2012. Um, two-time consensus All-American SEC Demons of Player of the Year. Um, and, and you talk about, like, one of the things I always judge greatness off to uh, off of as well in, ter- in terms of a factor that I look at would be, like, iconic moments, like big-time massive moments. Like, when a team needs you, do you show up? And Jarvis Jones, I mean, I'll never forget the moment. Um, I think it was, it was 2012 against Florida. We were up 17-9 uh, with a, just a hair over two minutes left. They were driving to try to tie the game. They complete a pass. I think it was Jeff Driscoll, if I remember correctly, completes it to Jordan Reed, I want to say. They're tied in. 
Either him or Burton, one of the two. It was him. I think it was Reed. It was him or Burton. I, th- I want to say it was Reed. And uh, he's heading into the end zone. Uh, I mean, I'm talking like a yard, a couple yards away from the end zone. Jarvis hustles downfield from behind the play and is able to make the play, rips the ball out from behind. We recover the ball in the end zone, seals the game. We win that game. We go to the SEC championship game and come within really a play of going to the national title game where we would have destroyed Notre Dame. And that is that we don't get to the SEC title game uh, without plays like that from Jarvis Jones. I mean, just unbelievable play. Uh, God, it was massive. It was a massive play. So things like that on, on top of all his individual accomplishments. For me, uh, I put Jarvis Jones ahead, Jake, and I don't even know if it's that close, honestly. It's not. And that's why I think even it being 50-50 is just straight recent bias. Yeah, it totally is. And I, I'm not going to like fault people for recency bias because like it's more fresh in our mind. Jarvis was here you know, seven, eight years ago. Um, and, and so in our minds, like we remember it more vividly. I get that. But if you were around – and you were watching Georgia football closely in uh, 2012, you know, that time of year, that time in our in our program's history. Jarvis Jones, you know how good this guy was. And to me, it's just not even really close. But uh, so I was surprised by that one. But I love Jake, love him to death. Will always be the president of his fan club. But uh, I gotta go Jarvis here. Gotta be gotta be objective. All right, moving on to the white region. Now, this is where oh my god, the white region is just like straight up bananas uh with these two matchups. Um I got some interesting matchups here, Curse. I'm really, really almost impossible matchups. And we're going to start in the white region with linebacker Roquan Smith versus newly minted Atlanta Falcon running back Todd Gurley. The listeners went with Gurley, Curtis, with 54% of their vote. This is another one that went back and forth for a couple of days. We got a lot of responses here. We got a lot of uh, commentary on social media about which way to go and why people were leaning one way versus the other. Had some really good arguments made both, both ways. But the listeners ultimately went with Todd Gurley with 54% of their vote. Who did you decide to go with? I go with Todd Gurley. And as good as Roquan Smith was, Todd Gurley did it for his entire time at the University of Georgia. And I think that's what separates him for me, in my opinion. Uh, uh, Todd probably wins the Heisman. And even not winning the Heisman his junior year, he was still the best running back in college football. Um, and, and that's why I go with him. He just did it for a longer period of time. Roquan had that outstanding year, which, you know, helped was helped by the fact that we went to the natty and everything that year but when it came down to it Todd in my opinion outside Herschel is the best to ever do it as a running back for us I totally one million percent agree with that Todd Gurley was a freaking monster and I've said it like I think like it was the same year was going I mean what what was it 2012 13 14 that time frame one of those years I think we might have been doing the show in 2014 2015 Uh, I think we started right around that time um so Gurley was kind of uh, the the guy when we started this show back in the day uh and I said back then and I still maintain today and there's some that are really close I mean I'm not saying it's a it's a runaway but he's the best I've seen play live with my own two eyes. I've said, I think every show that we've done this tournament, I'll say it again. I just keep saying, it. I mean, we've had some guys I think were, that were insane. Roquan was one of those guys. I mean, his season 2017 was an all timer. Uh, AJ green was a freaking monster for me. Those three guys kind of stand out for me. Like in my uh, Georgia football life, I mean, champ was like very, very early on when I was watching Georgia's football, I'm talking like seven, eight, nine years old. So I vaguely remember seeing champ Bailey, um, but and like Heinz Ward, but not to the degree of, of seeing guys like that. And also, I throw David Pollock in there as well. Um, but Gurley was just on, on another level from the very beginning. I'll never forget. I mean, I was in the stands there, um, sitting there in the end zone where my season tickets are. And uh, he that first game against uh, Buffalo, and he returns that kickoff for a touchdown and runs like right to us. 
where we're sitting. And I was like, oh my God, this guy is legit. And he just never let us down from that point. I mean, when he was on the field and he had injuries, he has suspension issues, but he was on the field. I think he was almost, almost every single game, the best player on the field. And I include the 2012 SEC title game playing against Alabama, who had some big time talent on that team. And I think that he was the best player on the field in that game. I mean, and Jarvis Jones on the field in that game. I, I just think Todd Gurley was that good. I mean, um, but here's the thing. With, I will say this about Roquan. Uh, and tell me if you disagree. So I agree with you in saying this is why I went with Gurley as well. He, he was elite from the second he stepped foot on campus, right? Like he was ready to be the guy from his freshman year on. Roquan took a little bit of time. Uh, Roquan played sparingly in his freshman season, was a good player for us as a sophomore, and then he exploded on the scene and became like an all-time inside linebacker for us. Like an, as a lead of an inside linebacker I've ever seen for us in that one year. So I would say for me, that's why I went with Gurley. He was for three years. He was a monster when he was on the field. When he was healthy and and not and he was eligible. But despite saying that, I would say like to me, Roquan's 2017 season. I think that one season was better than any one season Todd Gurley was able to put up. Would you agree with me on that, or am I off base there? That's probably fair. I think Gurley was on track for that his junior year, but the suspension really. Yeah, you're totally right. And and I think we mentioned this on the first episode of this tournament. about For those who might have missed that, you're right. If Gurley would have not gotten suspended in 2014, I agree with you. You said a little bit earlier he would would have won the Heisman. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, In his first – uh, what was it? Six games of the year. He he went for 198 yards against Clemson. Against Clemson, by the way, 131 yards, 73 yards. That was against Troy. I think he had like five carries in that game. Um, 208 yards and one six, 163 yards. Uh, so he was average. And so if you take those first six games, uh, and I think actually against Auburn he had 138 yards. I want to say too. So if you take those first six games and look at just the Power Five teams, we played five Power Five teams in those first six games. He was averaging 174 yards a game and nine yards a carry against Power Five opponents to start the 2014 season, like the first half of the 2014 season. That dude was going to win the Heisman Trophy unless he died, and that's basically what happened. Uh, gets. Suspended, comes back, tears ACL, and the rest is history. So he was on track for that season to potentially be better than Roquan's 2017, but it was an incomplete season. But I think Roquan's 2017 season was an all-timers season for like, like I would say this. I think it was the best defensive season I've ever seen from a dog since maybe uh, Pollock in 2002, and and you could I guess you could argue Jarvis Jones in 2012 when he set the sack record. But I just think Roquan. I mean, talk about difference making 2017. I mean, he was just such a stud. I mean. He did everything you could ever ask a linebacker to do, whether it was uh, playing the run, defending in coverage, playing in space, all those things. I mean, he was clearly 1,000% the alpha male on a defense that was really good and talented, but not nearly as talented as the defense we have now. Like He was the guy. And honestly, I said this on social media over the weekend, as far as I'm concerned, if the Heisman Trophy actually went to the best player in the country and not just the best quarterback, but the best numbers on a good football team, I think Roquan Smith should have won the Heisman Trophy in 2017. I think he was the best player in the United States of America, and I truly, truly believe that. Uh, but that was the only big year he had, and I and I hate to hold that against him. Because, but like when you're trying to split hairs between two greats of the last 25 years, I think you have to factor that into it. So I'm also going to go Gurley. Um, should we? Like some people, Kurt, they did argue that like. We should hold that the fact that Todd Gurley got suspended and hurt the team that way. We should hold that against him. Do you subscribe to that notion at all? Is that fair? Um, no. I mean, it's easy <sighs> to throw the Bible at someone and at the time, and, you know, in the future. But I don't think at the time 
even then Gurley made a mistake, but he's I still believe he's the best. Yeah, I mean, and look, if you if if you factor that into your vote, I can't. I'm not going to hold that against anyone who factors it because some people look. Everybody has their own definitions of greatness, uh, and sometimes personality and and that kind of stuff, and uh, and just like how beloved you are and staying in trouble off the, or staying out of trouble off the field, that kind of stuff. Some people factor that into it. That's fair. Um, I don't factor that into it as much as like it wasn't like girl went out and did something just outrageous. I mean, he, he needed a little bit of money. And I, I honestly, like, I know it's it's like, it's against the rules, and he should have known better. And he hurt our team, put our team in a bad spot. Fortunately, we had a guy named Nick Chubb to help out a little bit there. Um, but uh, look, like to me, like that's like, come on, like just because he he signed some August, does that make Todd Gurley a bad dude? It's not like he's like beating his girlfriend or something like that. Like that kind of stuff. Like if you're pulling a. So, then so, you could also say AJ Green's not the best receiver at Georgia history because sure. he got Absolutely. suspended for four games. Absolutely, absolutely for some for something equally, maybe even more so ridiculous. Absolutely absurd. Um, so uh, it'd be funny, like you know, in the next five to ten years with the way college football is training in terms of finding ways to compensate the players. I don't. I think if somebody, I think that's gonna, what both those guys did. I think it's gonna be legal. Like I'm not, like maybe within the next like two to three years, honestly. Uh, when it comes when it comes to like name, image, and likeness, I think that what they did will be legal very, very soon. So like to hold that against him when it's going to be legal, in, in in my opinion, in the very short future, very near future, uh, I just I I don't know, I don't buy into that. So uh, I'm going with Gurley. To me, is really really close. Like to me, the fact that this was a 54 to 46 percent vote, like that kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, that one deserves it more so than what we saw with the yeah. Jarvis and Jake. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree there. All right, next. Now, this one is like this was the honestly this was the toughest one for me, and I think this one tore a lot of uh, of our listeners up when they had to vote on Twitter because this is two guys that not only are the two great Georgia football players the past twenty five years, but two all time um, just like like fan favorites. Right, you can be great and maybe not be as much like there's like degrees of fan favorite. Like it's hard to be a great and not be beloved by the fans to some degree. But I think there are different degrees of belovedness, maybe, of uh, how much the fan base loves you. But these two guys are, are on the Mount Rushmore of Georgia Bulldogs in my, the past 25 years, in my opinion. And that's running back Nick Chubb versus David Pollock. Man, this is a tough one. And this is another one that went back and forth all weekend long for a couple of days. Uh, but when it was all said and done, and this was another one that I was mildly surprised to see how the listeners voted on this one. But Nick Chubb, just ever so slightly, was able to edge out David Pollock with 52% of the listener vote. I, however, Curtis, I'm going to let you cast a tiebreaker vote here in just, in just a second. As much as I love Nick Chubb, and it like it breaks my heart to pick anyone but Nick Chubb in any matchup because I just flat out uh, adore the dude. I love him to death. I, he, Nick Chubb is my favorite Georgia football player of all time that I, since I've been watching. He's just, that's, that's just the way it is for me. Nick Chubb is my guy. So it was really, really, really hard for me to pick against him in any way, in any capacity. But I, again, have to be objective here in terms of, of what it means to be a great. And Nick Chubb was an absolute Georgia great. But to me, David Pollock is a notch above what Nick Chubb was able to do during his time here in Athens. So I'm going to pick David Pollock over Nick Chubb, and I already hate myself for this. So – Kurt, what do you think, man? You get the tie-breaking vote. Who's moving yeah, on? Yeah, I think, I think the uh, I think it's I don't even think it's that hard of a vote. I mean, as good as Nick Chubb was as a player and as a person, 
Uh, he was never on the same level as what David Pollock was. I mean, David Pollock forever held, held Georgia records. We talked about how Nick Chubb never even made a first team All SEC or anything like that. And you have David he first, Pollock. He did make a first team All SEC, just not first team All American ever. Okay, there you go. Yeah. And then yeah. Pollock did everything he did. So I just don't know. I mean, as much as I like Nick Chubb, they are way just not even on the same level. Um, and I, I think that it's no question that David Pollock is a more all time great UGA player than Nick Chubb. Yes. Um, I, I agree with everything you said there. That's a great way to put it, man. Well said. Um, here's the argument. I, here, I'm going to make the argument for Chubb and why I think it might have been closer than I expected. I mean, I, honestly, I expected this to be close. Um, I just didn't expect Chubb what to What I also got to take into account is Chubb had a nice running partner named Sony Michelle who made his life a yeah. lot easier where yeah. David Pollock literally was getting double teamed the entire time. Uh, yes. I totally agree with that. Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's that's a great way. That's another great factor there as well. Um, but to make the the case for Chubb here, and again, I pick Pollock, but I'm going to try to play devil's advocate. Uh, I think part of what makes Nick Chubb such a beloved player, a big part of it, is kind of the mythology around him. You know what I mean? Like um, the 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 quiet nature, the introverted nature that he has, the the work ethic kind of the mythological work ethic that he's that he's had um going back to high school um he kind of just was this larger than life figure in in a certain way without being boastful about it he was never that kind of guy so humble um just an incredible teammate an incredible human being is what Nick Chubb was and then you fact you add into that the whole comeback story the catastrophic knee injury Kurt we were both that game you were actually sitting like Almost as close as you could. You were in the lower level Georgia section, right, right there um, yeah, on our sideline, right when you when that happened. Like you were there and you saw that, and I was a little further away um, uh, in the other part of the Georgia section at, at Neyland Stadium. But I mean, that was catastrophic. I, mean, I was close to just vomiting the rest of that day. I just couldn't. I mean, I was my heart was just in pieces after that because how much I love this guy. Um, but then to be able to come back as quickly as he did now, not, and not as great as he was right away in 2016, but 2017 coming back and being that guy again, I think that is a big part of, uh, the Nick Chubb lore. And then you factor in. Yeah. The- well, I think that all goes into being a, you know, a great comeback story, but does that still mean you're the better player of the two? I don't think no, so. No, no, but no, not at all. And I agree. Uh, but I think some people, again, it's just how you d- judge the term greatness like what does that mean to you i think some people factor in like the story well, you have like, a lot of people too that are active voters and things like that that didn't grow up you know appreciating pollock i mean you see the replays of that south carolina game and all that stuff that game winning play but i mean you didn't appreciate it at the time yeah i work with young people every day um and they know who david pollock is like abstractly like hey he's that guy on college game day right but they don't really associate like uh, they uh, they know he went to Georgia, but they don't remember. They never saw the guy play. They have no idea like what kind of player David Pollock was. So if you are a, a younger voter, you're right. If you're a younger voter, Nick, it's a runaway with Nick Chubb because you're like, yeah, David Pollock was a good player. I mean, I know he was a good player at Georgia. People talk about him, but I never really saw him play. But if, I think if you were an active Georgia football fan, you were actually watching games and you were that you were of that time. I think you know. I, I think it's to me pretty clear that David Pollock is the answer here. Um, and you got to put aside the luck. Kind of, I had to put aside the love for Jake Fromm. You got to put aside the love for Nick Chubb and, and judge this objectively. Um, I do think also some people look at it and say, okay, well, our, our program played for a national championship. We came that close to winning a national title with Nick Chubb. He came back for his senior year when he didn't have to. I think that whole, all of that kind of factors into the Nick Chubb lore, that, that mythology surrounding him. 
But again, like you mentioned, like in terms of individual accomplishments, I mean, here's what I would say about Paul. He was the total package. Like if you're judging, whatever you, however you define greatness, Pollock checks that off. Because whether it's individual accomplishments, yeah, check that off. Three-time All-American, only uh, one of only two players in Georgia history with Herschel Walker to do that. Two-time player of the year in the SEC, first-round pick. Uh, memorable style of play with his hustle. I mean, let's not forget, Davis Pollock had a great story, too. I mean, this guy was recruited as like a fullback coming out of Shiloh High School. No one really talked much about him. It was a, not a highly rated recruit. And he comes into Georgia and just by pure, like just willpower, more or less, and just playing harder and more ferociously than everyone around him, became an all-time great at the University of Georgia. Maybe not, uh, certainly not the most physically gifted guy ever, but just wanted it. Like you got to factor that in with David Pollock, too, so that style of play. Uh, memorable plays, and I'll never get the play against South Carolina in the end zone, like, how, like the interception there, the interception fumble, whatever you want to call it, uh, to get the touchdown there. He is a record breaker. Um, I mentioned first round pick, and you can say, well, Nick Chubb helped put us back on the map with Kirby Smart by coming back his senior year. Yes, he did. He absolutely did, and I will never take that away from Nick Chubb. But can't you say the same thing about David Pollock with, in the early Mark Rick years, Kurt? Yeah. I mean, I mean, him and David Green and everyone else on that team too, but those are two of the of the, of the big names of that era where coming off the Donnie years, we were okay, but we were never like a true contender. And all of a sudden now we're winning SEC titles. We're, we're competing for national championships. Uh, Paul was a huge, huge part of that. So um, and he, now here's one thing that did come up and I, and I want to, I want to get your opinion on this. I think some people also that vote against Pollock and so we had some people, a couple people on social media bring this up and we had a nice conversation about this, uh, but the, the idea was brought up that some people vote against Pollock because they hold his analysis on ESPN against him. They say he's anti-Georgia and goes out of his way to pick against us. Do you think that factored into some people's votes? I mean, some people are entitled to that opinion. I think that he's just an actual true professional and isn't a, you know, a sports hack like some people like McElroy and Tim Tebow. Street. Yeah, Herb Street and some of those people. Or he takes his job serious, and he's. Mm-hmm. I think that he gives Georgia props when they deserve them, but he's also very fair and harsh when we deserve that too. I I totally agree. With you. Here's what I would say. I here my my response to that was I hear what you're saying. I think I do think people did vote against him because I think some people did. There's a seg- There is a segment of the fan base that probably that holds that against him and voted against him because of that. I know that I know the people out there because I know people that say those things. But yeah, and I, I say you got to toughen up a little bit because they're that's a job. That's a job. I mean. If if you're in the real world and it's your job, are you going to give everything to your friend or try to be, you know, no, because that's what you're paid to do and it's your livelihood. Yeah, and, I, and I, one thing I, I said, and I kind of get back to Paul here in a second, but just the idea that like how some people – look, I don't – there are some guys that I think go out of their way to bash us. Like, like, like Dan Walken goes out of his way to bash anything Kirby Smart. I don't know what Kirby ever did to that man, but he goes out of his way. Whatever. Oh, I, he's inside scoop. Yeah, he yeah he's just he's ridiculous. I mean he's he's a hack of a, of a journalist. And if you know the background with Tennessee and that whole their AD, like you know what I'm talking about. Um, but like some people just take what people in the media say about our program so personally, so personally. Like when it, when somebody criticizes, and look, there are some people that go out of their way, and it's kind of annoying. It's like really do like come on, like you you have no credibility whatsoever. You're 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 biased and all that kind of thing. But like. I don't. I don't really ever take it personally. Actually, I, I I somewhat like when people criticize. Like right now, I like that people are picking forward to win the SEC East this year. I, to me, that gives us a chip on our soldier on our shoulder. I'm good with that. I'm totally good with that. Um, but some people take it so personally when anybody criticizes us in the national media. And to me, I always kind of shake my head at that a little bit because like that's what teams 
with inferiority complexes do. Like with the teams that have little man syndrome, like like South Carolina. Yeah, I know they beat us last year, but South Carolina historically has done nothing in the program's history. And they are the kind of program that comes screaming when about, hey, we don't get any respect when anyone doesn't just like gush over them. That's the kind of program that does that. Tennessee over the past 20 years, that's the kind of program that does that. Like we are better than that to take all those little things so personally to hold against a guy like David Puck, an all-time Georgia great, to hold it against him to that level. I just don't really buy that. And I and I, I agree with you when he does, like he picks against us sometimes. Absolutely. But I always think he's so fair. Murray. Absolutely. And I think both those guys are fair in, in their analysis when they do pick against us. They don't go to, in my opinion, I don't think they go out of their way to bash us. I don't, I do not see that. I, I, I it doesn't mean they pick against us. They pick for us every time, but I think they, there's always defensible and fair when they pick, uh, someone over us. I, 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 and that's my opinion. And here's one more thing I'll say about this before we move on. I also find it hilarious how the same people that want to hold that against David Pollock picking against us, they mock the other uh, analysts out there, like Kirk Herbstreet, for example, uh, Greg McElroy, you mentioned him, Tim, too. They mock those guys for being uh, hacks and biased and having no credibility because they always pick uh, their guys and pick their team. They criticize everyone else. They never criticize. But, but yet they want Paul to be like that. Exactly. But they want Paul to do exactly that. I'm like, what? you can't have it both ways. So to me, like, I know that some people vote against him because of that. But I, that's just not even remotely a factor for me. Um, he's just a total package. Love Nick Chubb. It breaks my heart to pick against him. But I got to be uh, objective here, and I'm with you, Curtis. I'm going David Pollock as well. So I guess we're kind of overriding the listener vote on this. Sorry, guys. I, I hate to do that, but um, Pollock is moving on to the Elite Eight, wh- where he will take on man another what a great Elite Eight matchup as well. Todd Gurley versus David Pollock in the Elite Eight. Um, all right, let's move on to the Black Region real quick. Now this one, um, I don't think these matchups were as competitive. Uh, the Silver Region we'll get to last definitely was very competitive. Uh, at least one of those matchups. Um, but we got next up in the black region, we got Rennie Curran versus Justin Houston. Um, this was a, I think this probably going to end up being a clean sweep here. The listeners went with Justin Houston with 64% of their vote. Curtis, do you agree with them? I do also went with Justin Houston. Yeah, I, I went with Houston as well. I don't want to spend too much time on this one because uh, this is one of those matches I think is pretty clear. I, again, we talked about Rennie last week. I think Rennie was a really good player for us. But he, uh, to be honest with you, we were making our list of 64 players to put in this greatest fo- Georgia football players of the tw- past 25 years tournament. Rennie was kind of a fringe player, like one of the last few guys. Like he was like last four in, right, with the NCAA basketball tournament. Rennie would have been like one of the last four in. Uh, and he was really good, but he was he never – quite he was really good and consistent he never quite had as good of a season as justin houston had he was 2010 was houston's last year where he was a monster that year uh all-american level player um so uh i w- and also talk about nfl career justin houston led the nfl in sacks he was 2014 got a huge contract really never really caught on the nfl uh both good play really good players justin houston i think it was just a, a notch above what uh, Rennie Kerr was able to do based at least on that 2010 season. So uh, I agree with you. It's a clean sweep for Justin Houston. And that takes us to our, our next matchup in the black region. So Houston's going to take on the winner of Chant Bailey versus wide receiver Terrence Edwards. Now Air- Edwards was an upset winner over Matthew Stafford last in, in the last round or in the second round. Like we, uh, I think the, the listeners actually went Matthew Stafford. You and I kind of overrode that and went with Terrence Edwards. The listeners went with Chant Bailey by a significant margin. This was the, the biggest blowout of the Sweet 16. Chant got 91.6% of the listener vote. Are you going to override the listeners in the Sweet 16, Kurt? Or are you going with Chant Bailey? 
No, not at all. It's Champ Bailey all the way. Yeah, I mean, look, Terrence Edwards, the reason we put him above, I agree, by the way, it's a clean sweep for Champ Bailey. And Champ might win this whole thing. Well, I mean, he actually, Champ has a very clear path to at least a championship match, um, or the, at least the final four, I guess. Um, he is as clear of a, of a path as anyone. Hasn't really gotten challenged much. But we, you and I went with Edwards over Stafford because we just thought his production on the field uh, was significantly better than what Stafford was able to put up. Stafford was a, a very talented player, more physically gifted than Edwards, absolutely, but never quite had that level of production that Terrence Edwards put up when he still holds basically every major receiving record in Georgia history. But we're talking about Champ Bailey here. We're talking about an NFL Hall of Famer. We're talking about maybe the best cornerback, I mean, one of the best cornerbacks of all time. I, I don't know if I can say the best ever, but he's certainly in that conversation, right? Yeah, he is. I'm not, I'm not even talking about Georgia history. I'm talking about like history of all football. He's in that conversation, just a, an all-timer. Um, so honestly, like I'm not, uh, and I, I love Terrence Edwards. Uh, and I, I think he deserves to be in the sweet 16 and I, and it's, it sucks to get matched up with Champ Bay. Cause if he, if he got matched up with Randy Kerr and I probably, I would have gone with Terrence Edwards and he'd be in the elite eight, but unfortunately he comes up against Champ Bailey, Bailey in the sweet 16 tough draw. And, uh, I'm honestly surprised it wasn't a hundred percent Champ Bailey. Terrence was really good, but I don't think, I, I honestly just don't know the argument to put Terrence Edwards over Bailey as, as, pro, as, prolific as Edwards was in producing numbers as a receiver here at, in Athens. He just can't touch Champ Bailey. So uh, I, I'm with you. I'm going Champ as well. And he is advancing on to the Sweet 16 to take on – I'm sorry, to the Elite Eight to take on Justin Houston. And that brings us to our final region of the Sweet 16. Uh, we've got a big matchup here as well. Now, this one was – I mean, I thought this would be – this is an interesting matchup. I didn't know it would be as close as it was a listener vote. I thought it would be closer than some of the other matches. I didn't think, see it being as close as it ended up being. And that's wide receiver, actually all everything Heinz Ward versus running back Sony Michelle. Heinz did win the listener vote, but only with 56% of the listener vote, which is a little bit surprising to me. Uh, Curtis, do you agree with the listeners or were you one of those people that went with Sony Michelle? I went with Heinz Ward. I mean, I think a lot of people don't appreciate Heinz. Uh, for everything he actually has done. Um, you got to think a lot of these people didn't, I mean, they caught him at the end of his career with the Steelers and um, and didn't really catch everything else that he's truly accomplished. Yeah, I mean, to you, like, were you surprised? I was with the 56%. I mean, I, I, I was expecting closer to 70%. No, because like I said, people just don't appreciate him for what he actually was as a player. And I think that's why I actually really wasn't that shocked. Yeah, I think it also I, – I probably shouldn't have been as shocked, but I think a lot of it comes back to um, recency bias as well. You kind of alluded to that with Sonny Michelle and the fact that, you know, like Nick Chubb – I mean, Sonny Michelle, I don't know if he's – I don't think he's quite as beloved as Nick Chubb, but he ain't far off. People love Sonny Michelle, and I love Sonny Michelle. I love the guy. Um, great leader, also came back for his senior season, did everything the right way, um, just, a, just a great Georgia Bulldog. But we're talking about Heinz Ward a guy who, in my opinion, is going to be in the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, he was for, Heinz Ward was first-team All-SEC, and I know we're going back some years, to 1997. Um, he was second-team in 96, four-time Pro Bowler, uh, Super Bowl MVP. And it's really tough for a, a non-quarterback to win the Super Bowl MVP, but Heinz Ward did that. I think two-time Super Bowl winner, I want to say. And I know that isn't – some people factor in – and you and I both agree with this. We factor in what you did here in college at Georgia more than what you did in the NFL. What you did in the NFL matters. 
And when, when you're an all-time NFL, I don't want to say all-time great, but when you're a borderline Hall of Famer in the NFL, like that's got to carry some weight in the greatness conversation. And oh, by the way, Hines was really, really good in college too. No, we and he was unfortunate in that he was not playing on teams that were major contenders, right? And um, I, do you think like does that factor in for you the fact that Sony Michelle was on a team that won an SEC title and Heinz Ward never really quite sniffed that? No, not personally. Yeah, I personally, like I think it, if all things being equal, then that can factor in. But I don't think everything else is equal. Um, I, I think Hines is just the guy here. Uh, he was so versatile for us. We're playing running back, quarterback, wide receiver. I think he might have come in as a DB even. Uh, and there's some conversation about playing him there early in his career, but he was more of an offensive guy, obviously, and plays receiver in the NFL. Um, and, and he's got a great personality himself. I mean, and just the, the greenness. I mean, he's a guy, another great story, maybe not the most physically talented guy, especially once he got to the NFL, but just carved out a role for himself with his kind of uh, just hard-nosed play, a very unique style of playing wide receiver. Uh, so uh, I think Hines is the guy. And again, some of the younger Georgia fans might not remember him as well, like you kind of alluded to. But I, I think for guys who are around in the, in the mid to late 90s, they know how good Heinz Ward was. And again, I was young. I was 11, 12-ish around that time. But I do definitely remember Heinz Ward and watching him play. I remember him being just uh, an insanely – good and talented player for us. And obviously we know he did the NFL. So uh, I definitely am going with Heinz Ward as well. I love Sonny Michelle, but um, not, I mean, I don't want to say not close, but not as close as maybe uh, David Pollock and Nick Chubb for me um, or a Roquan Smith and Todd Gurley, to be honest. Um, all right. So Heinz Ward moving on to lead eight where he will match up with the winner of our next match of our last matchup of the sweet 16 which is wide receiver A.J. Green versus Andrew Thomas. Now, uh, as good as Andrew Thomas was and as recent as he played for us, as in last year, there wasn't any recency bias in the listener vote. In this one, A.J. Green was the runaway winner over Andrew Thomas with 86% of the listener vote. Uh, Curse, I also went with A.J. Green. Are you making it a clean sweep? Yeah, I am too. It's no question it's A.J. What is it about age? Because Andrew Thomas is probably going to be, I mean, almost certainly going to be a first-round NFL draft beat left tackle, one of the best left tackles um, that we've had in, man, a long time. So why AJ so clearly over Andrew Thomas? Uh, I mean, AJ's just AJ. I mean, I don't really know how else to say it other than he's probably the best receiver to ever play at Georgia. I mean, yeah, Terrence Edwards has a lot of the, the records and things like that, but AJ will go down as probably the greatest. I agree uh, in terms of like how good you actually were, how physically gifted and talented you were, how, how dominant you were. AJ was the best receiver to ever play at Georgia to this point. Um, Edwards is the most prolific, but and, and the, I think AJ would have broken some of the single season records if he hadn't gotten suspended in that final season, um, the first four games of that year. Uh, I remember when I remember when he came back, his first game back against Colorado, and he made that insane catch. I was actually in the end zone there. He made that kind of right in front of me, and that was man, that was awesome. Then we lost, and that sucked. That trip was incredible until we lost that game. That sucked. Uh, but anyway, uh, AJ was just a freaking stud. I, I talked about Todd Gurley being the best I've ever seen in my own two eyes. I mean, it is very, it's a very thin line between Todd Gurley and AJ Green for me. AJ was an absolute stud, and like Todd Gurley, an absolute stud from day one. You can say the same thing about Andrew Thomas, because he was a, a starter for, as a true freshman. And I started at right tackle, moved over to left tackle. But as good as Thomas is, I just think AJ Green was better at his at his job, doing what he was asked to do. He was a more dominant player, in my opinion. And I know it's easy to say that because receivers get more love than offensive linemen. But 
look, in, in, in the NFL, AJ has been really, really good. I know he had, he's had some injuries recently, but I think it's a shame that he got put on the Cincinnati Bengals with Andy Dalton as quarterback for all those years. I mean, I would have loved to have seen what, what AJ Greenwood had been able to do with an actual uh, competent quarterback to work with in the NFL. Um, but even with even with Dalton, he's put up insane numbers. So AJ to me um, is the best receiver to ever play at Georgia. So to me, that puts him. And I don't know if I can say about Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas is really, 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 really good. But I don't know if he's the best lineman to ever play at Georgia. We've had some really good offensive linemen. He's in that conversation, I, I would guess. But I don't know if he's the best. Um, so I'm going with AJ. And this one wasn't really one I even thought that hard about, to be honest. So he is going on uh, to face Heinz Ward in an awesome, awesome Elite Eight matchup. Two of the best receivers. Although Heinz is a little bit more of a do-everything kind of guy offensively. But was a receiver by trade in the NFL league. So two of the best receivers in Georgia history are matching up against each other in the Elite Eight. We will definitely have all of those matchups on social media, on Twitter, over the weekend. You can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA and make your voice heard. Cast your vote for each of these matchups. We're going to have some great matchups, guys. You can see as we get deeper and deeper in this tournament, the matchups get better and better and more competitive as we go. So it's been a lot of fun to do this. We're, gonna, we're about to finish this out. So make sure to vote on twitter help us out there make your voice heard and we will discuss the elite eight final four and the championship matchup next week here on the glory uga podcast we really appreciate you guys taking time out of your days to listen to us here uh, we really hope everyone's staying safe and sane out there and just really in general hanging in there with your families we wish everyone the absolute best through all of this thanks for listening guys for curtis i'm tyler and as always go dogs. <laughs>